So as you've probably heard by now, under the direction of the U.S. bishops, we are in the midst of a so-called Eucharistic revival it's for three years, and we're well into that this year. And the idea being we really need to somehow recapture our appreciation as a Eucharistic people in the Catholic Church. These surveys come out, maybe you've seen them, really low percentage of Catholics believe anymore that the bread and wine on the altar become the body and blood of Christ. And this seems to be a crisis that we're in the grips of right now, where the church finds itself in these modern times. So our gospel today came from the Gospel of John. It's a very famous passage, part, in chapter 6, where Jesus goes on and on and he talks about, you know, I am the bread of life, as we just heard now, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. And lots of Catholics are saying, you know, it's a symbol, it's a sign, I get it, we come together, but... I'm not sure that's really your flesh and blood. I don't know if I can believe that. So if you haven't yet read the Gospel of John, here's a 2,000-year spoiler alert. Plug your ears. But at the end of chapter 6 of the Gospel of John, what did they do? What did they say? They heard it from his lips to their ears. you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. What did they think way back in the glory days? Well, this is it. Chapter 6, Gospel of John, verse 60. After Jesus just said what we heard, then many of his disciples who were listening said, this saying is hard. Who can accept it? This is hard. Who can possibly accept it? Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Jesus says, does this shock you? And as a result of this, many of his disciples returned to their former way of life and no longer accompanied him. Because of the words that you just heard, many of his disciples returned to their former way of life and no longer accompanied him. This is not new. This is as old as the church itself. And I don't say that to depress us and have us throw up our hands and say, what are we going to do? Because pretty quickly on, they were wrestling with that question and they came to some pretty good answers. I just think when we talk about the Eucharist, we often forget And the answer, you don't have to go any further than our second reading today, beautifully proclaimed. This is St. Paul. As you've heard me say many times, the Jesus St. Paul knew is the Jesus we know. Paul didn't know Jesus of Nazareth. He wasn't there hearing Jesus say, eat my flesh and drink my blood. He knew those words. In some of his letters, he talks about them, but he heard about them from other people. So when he talks about the Eucharist, what does he say? And the word I draw your attention to in that second reading today is participate. He says you have to participate in the body of Christ. You have to participate in the blood of Christ. When I was going through preparation for First Holy Communion, that's not a word that got thrown around a lot. And it's always a good idea to listen to St. Paul. And it doesn't mean he didn't believe that the bread and wine become the body and blood of Christ. But just like those folks who heard Jesus say it for the first time, it doesn't necessarily matter a whole lot unless you think, well, what difference does that make? Okay, maybe it becomes your body and blood. That's amazing. I'm not used to seeing that happen to bread and wine all the time. But so what? What do I do with that? And the ones who got up and left that day, they were wrestling with some sort of intellectual problem. Well, how do I know that? Why should I believe it? 
But to know in the biblical sense is never just, yeah, you can pass a true-false exam. To know in the biblical sense means, is this making a difference in your life? When you wake up on Monday morning, is there some decision you will make that looks different than if you didn't participate in this process? And so that's the challenge I would lay to myself and maybe to all of us, is to say, what does it mean for me to participate in the body and blood of Christ? And here again, we don't have to guess. Jesus is masterful about saying, well, I'll tell you what that looks like. Because the gospel reading today is just one little part of the gospel. And so it's also in the gospel of John where Jesus says, I've got one commandment for you, one thing. You know, we got that saying today, you had one job. And the one job he gives is he says, love one another as I have loved you. In other words, love as self-gift. Love in a way that's self-sacrificial. And most of the time, that doesn't mean literally giving our lives, but it does mean in non-trivial ways to give of ourselves. And yeah, we know what that means, and we say, well, try to be a good person and, and live like a Christian and try to do what Jesus wants, but the stakes are much higher than that. Plenty of atheists try to live that way, and that's a beautiful way to live. But do we really see that self-sacrificial love as being one and the same as participating in the presence of Christ? That's why I said at the start of Mass that presence is also in the living Word of God, in proclaimed Scripture. And it's also, thank you very much, St. Paul, in us as the body of Christ. There's no asterisk or footnote that says, well, that's not really the body of Christ. All those things matter. And maybe it's a little bit easier to understand what participation in the Eucharist looks like if we keep track of the other part of Jesus' gospel, love one another as I have loved you. Yes, anyone can try to live that way, but do we as Catholics really see that as the manifestation of our sacramental reality? And so maybe just a little spiritual exercise on in the wake of this great feast of the body and blood of Christ to kind of do a gut check and just say, well, how am I loving these days? We love in lots of different ways, but what would it mean to love as self-gift? What would it mean to be present in relationship to others? Because if you're going to participate, that means by definition you're in relationship. I'll bet you anything, a lot of those folks who walked away from Jesus that day and stopped accompanying him were the very ones who were not truly in relationship with him. And that calls for sacrifice, that calls for commitment, that means show up. Think of the other sacraments, sacrament of marriage. Maybe it's easier to see in that context, but that has a Eucharistic part to it as well, to show up and to love in a way that is self-gift. And you can trace that through all the sacraments. And so to come up and receive, and when I receive at the altar and we say amen, to just be thinking in your mind, how do I want that participation to look this week as we live out our marriages? What's it going to look like to participate in that marriage self-sacrificially? You could probably name lots of different ways you do that every day. But what would it mean to do that thinking, this is how I make real what I took away from Mass at the altar on Sunday? Because if we can do that, then we are opening our hearts to grace. And it's not just our human efforts. 
we really do get help in a way that we can't give it to ourselves. And at the end of the day, we either believe that or we don't. But if you struggle to believe that the bread and wine become the body and blood of Christ, ask yourself, do I really believe that grace is present when, in the name of my faith, I smile at another person? I say, hey, you go on and take care of that. I'll stay here and take care of business. As we live that out with a coworker, with the people in our neighborhood, with the guy or the woman next to you in the pew or in front of you or behind, to really live that way is a participation that Paul is talking about. So what would that look like for you? Maybe just one thing. I want to love as self-gift. I want to love self-sacrificially. I want to love like Paul and Jesus called us to live. And I guarantee you, you will never be on the wrong side of the survey that says, do you really believe that the bread and wine become the body and blood of Christ? Jesus didn't expect people just to say, oh yeah, I got that one, and move on. He expected them to say, hey, if I really want to sit at this meal, then I want to love the way you love. Keep that in mind, and you'll never fail the survey question again.